Hi, this is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast. I figure I've been having a little trouble getting my head around anything recently. It turns out I got sober in 19... I want to talk a little bit about... If you do the arithmetic, which I'm a little slow at, I believe that's uh, 49 years sober. And I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the sobriety and what that has to do with everybody else that's uh, listening. So it was 1974, and I was getting out of the Navy after six-year bit. I was sober a while, but I, I relapsed in Bloomington, Indiana. And I came back to my folks... My folks' place in uh, Boston area, and I think I knew, you know. I mean, I'd been going to AA a little bit off and on after rehab. I I was introduced to it, and I I went to AA meetings. I mean, I wasn't drunk all the time. I would be sober, and then I'd relapse, and I I'd wander into meetings, and I'd do this and do that and something else. So I was familiar with the program. But I didn't um, didn't take it seriously. I didn't take it seriously until I came back to Boston. Um, I realized I had to do something, or I was going to die of this stuff. I mean, I I was off and again, on again, rehab. You know, stay sober on antabuse, do this, do that, do something else. You know, and any time I was chemically able, I would inevitably pick up a drink and get into awkward, difficult, embarrassing situations. So, you know, I came back to Boston and I just said, oh, God, you know, I, I was done. I was done. I knew that I'd, I'd do something that would be, you know, just I wouldn't be able to live with. So I went to AA. It was a God thing because I'd, in Bloomington, Indiana, I'd gotten done my last re- relapse, in, uh, or at least I was the morning after a relapse. I just said, sweet Jesus, help me. It was a groan, and I just didn't. And I went to my uncle's place in Indiana, and I drove home and got home, and uh, I was out of money. I was just completely out of money and knew I had to get a job. And I wandered around to look for a job and got a job. Somewhere in a very early process, I looked for a meeting and I found a young people's. I'd never, I'd never done young people's before. Well, maybe my first meeting, but I never did a young people's meeting before. And I, It was in Boston and I was living in, out, out in the suburbs. And I drove in there on a Saturday night, and I wandered in. You know, they they said hello, and they said, hey, after the meeting, they said, hey, you want to go go out? We go out every Saturday night after the meeting for uh, pizza or for food. And out of, out of character, I said, yeah, okay. And I went out and... You know, and then I, uh, 
I continued on, and the next Saturday came, and I said, they said, they said, the meeting said, join a group. And I said, well, why don't I join this one? So I came the second Saturday, and, and that was my home group for, oh, God, the first six years of sobriety, something like that, six or seven years of sobriety. And they said, in the AA meetings, they said, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And out of some sort of outrageous desperation or just a God thing, I, I went to meetings every single day. You know, I didn't hardly miss a meeting. And there were, there were in three or four or five years, I was going to seldom less than a meeting a day and often, you know, a couple extra meetings. I'd go every day on a weekday, twice a day on Sunday. And, and I talked to people. And I, in the early years, a couple of years, I, they turned me on to young people's conferences. I went to young people's conferences. And I wasn't a great socializer, but I got to know people. I got to uh, know, I had I had people that, you know, I was running in a clique with some people, younger people, you know, obviously. Um, you know, I was, I wasn't the oldest of the crew that I ran with, but I was, what the hell was I? I was 28? No. Yeah, 28. Six years, 22 is 28. I, I I ran with those people, you know, and I was tied into a group sort of because they told me to, because it made sense for me, because it was just what I knew I had to do. And, uh, my group was uh, four or five, and then we get to young people's conferences, and that, that extended my people that I knew to 30 or 40 or 50, you know, people that would know my first name. And um, that was very important to me, to be known um, and respected. You know, I talked well. A pastor's kid, I talked well. And I was sold on AA, so I was a proselytizing AA person. And, and I guess I'm thinking, talking right now about fundamental things that I learned and fundamental things as I've been sober a long, long time, I forget and don't put into practice. What did I learn those first years? Don't drink, go to a meeting. I've been back to AA a little bit, but it's off and on. You know, I substituted church for AA, and that was good. And I'm writing on sobriety and experience. And in those early days, I was terrified. I was desperate. Um, I wasn't comfortable particularly. The only place I was reasonably comfortable was in an AA meeting. 
Uh, the A meanings distracted me, engaged my mind and stuff. And so I was reasonably comfortable in AA, and I was uh, I was not medicated at all. I mean, I wasn't taking anything. I was a I was a nervous wreck, but I had a job, and um, I did my job, and uh, I moved to the city. And moved around till I got apartments that were reasonably decent, and um, and I ran with my crowd. And I guess I'd ask anybody that's listening, do you have a crowd I ru- you run with, and not the crowd you drank with or used with or anything like that? Do you have a sober crowd who is, is, is are winners and not losers? In AA, I learned there's winners and losers. The winners are the people that are doing what the program said, obviously. But, you know, I guess I'm talking to the people that are listening who are in recovery, in early recovery. Are you, winning, are you running with the winners or are you running with the losers? Are you running with the people that are relapsing or are you running with the people that are sober? Do you have people in your life that are sober a long time? You know, back in those days, it was like five years. Oh, my God, you're five years sober, Um, which is basically you're dry and you're crazy as hell. And some of my friends, they took people that were sober 20, 30 years. You know, I took people that were, I I picked sponsors that weren't that impressive. But I ran with people that ran with people that were impressive. So, you know, what AA would say is, Go to meetings, get a sponsor, join a group. I went to meetings every day. I got a sponsor and never used him. And I talked to people. I talked to my friends a lot, sober people a lot. I mean, I'd, I didn't share. I shared a lot with a few friends. I had four or five friends, and we were tight, and we got sober together in varying states of getting along with each other. But for you out there that are getting sober in recovery, what's your recovery crowd look like? What's your crowd look like? Have you got your oars in two ponds at the same time? Are you paddling sort of with the recovery people? But are you keeping the friends that are using that's not smart, and it'll probably bite you in the tail later. So I found out I had to stay with recovery people. You know, past two years, two and a half years, I knew a lot of people. Um, I ran into one girl, and she was bugging me to anything to go to a prayer meeting with her. She was a Jesus person you know, messed up. Oh, my God, she's messed up. But, you know, I was madly in love with her. And so I chased her into a prayer meeting. And somewhere in that process, you know, it was, everything was sort of compounded together. Uh, The Jesus is Nazareth movie just first came out, and I watched that a couple times. And uh, my dad's a pastor and this and that and everything like that. 
and um, I could talk that I could talk the the game, but I didn't have a real relationship, a real commitment to Lord. And somewhere in that process, you know, she was praying for me. I was searching. I was everything, and somewhere in the process. I had a week where I just finally just went through a salvation experience. I became a Jesus freak. I was like, you know, I was going to church. It was sort of weird, but I was I was going to uh I started in a in the Catholic charismatic renewal. I ran with them for about a year or two, year and a half. That ended. That was good, but it ended up badly, and um, I, I got hurt, and I ran away from that. And I made phone calls, and I ended up in a church. It was a Pentecostal. It was a Pentecostal church. It wasn't Pentecostal. It was a reasonably balanced place. Unbeknownst to me, I was. I'd found another tribe. A Christian tribe, and it was a good church. It's good pastor, good church, Pentecostal. Um, so I, I'd gotten a baptism and a charismatic renewal, and I went here, and you know any gifts I had were used there, and it was a good fit. I was in that church for ten and a half years. So my AA attendance decreased, but my church attendance increased. And I was sort of staying with the, the game. I was going to, for regular church faith, was an awful lot. You know, I'd go to the Sunday service in the morning, and then I'd go to the evening service in the evening, and then I'd go to the Monday night men's prayer group, and then I'd go to the Wednesday Bible study. So I was pretty active. I think I put some AA in there too. But I was hardcore Christian by that time. I was I was I was like scary hardcore Christian. So if I look at my recovery in the early years, I, there was not a time when I wasn't hardcore something that would keep me sober. I didn't have time for anything else. I had my ups and my downs with AA and stuff like that, but I was in the church by that time. So if I'm looking at it, I always had myself grounded in something that would keep me, keep me clean and keep me grounded. Now my question to you is, you know, what's your recovery look like? What's it look like? You know, what, what is your recovery made of? How many people do you know in the groups that are going to keep you sober? How open and honest are you with those people? How connected are you with those people? And what does your week look like? How many times are you touching base with people that know you, that you're talking to, that you're being open and honest with. How's that look like? 
Are you a lone ranger, you know, dipping in and out of meetings, coming in late, sitting in the back? As soon as the amen is sounded, you're out the door. Is that your AA? Have you gotten a sponsor? Do you talk to the sponsor? Do you do what, you know? If you found faith, are you going to church? But not in this church. Are you going and getting to know people? Are you, and, and what kind of people are you getting to know? You know, this is what you got to do. You got to sort of take an inventory of your program. Is your program church? Are you hanging out with the winners? Are you hanging out with the sort of halfway people? If you're in recovery from addiction, half measures avail you. That's what they say. Half measures avail you nothing. If you got a halfway program, you better plan on a relapse because it's going to come. Do you have people that know you that you can open up and talk to? that you've told your life to? Or are you back-seat people? You go to a meeting maybe once a week, maybe twice a month. You sit in the back. You get there late. You leave early. You say, you know a few people. You say, hi, how you doing? Do they know you very well? Probably not. I mean, you're a familiar face in AA. Well, I'm an AA. I've sober six months year two, whatever, you know, I'm known. I talk once in a while. You know, you're a churchgoer, you're in church. You go to church, people sort of know you there. You know, you show up for a men's, men's meeting once in a while. You're good. Then you got to look at what your daily practices are. This is for AA and other people. What's your daily practices look like? Well, I, 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 AA people, do you have a regular group you go to every week? Check. Are you tight with the people that go to the group? Well, uh, do you run with friends in the program? Well, uh, then you got to start looking and saying, you know, are you in this for the long haul? Or are you just trying to satisfy the wife? You got to you got to think about that because there is no slack in recovery. You know, the addictions are they never quit. They never go away. Trust me, I'm sober. What what did I say? 49 years or something like that, something ridiculous amount like that. You know, if I get sloppy, the stuff edges in again. You know, I have situations where I say, what am I doing? You know, that's, that's the thing. This isn't a one-day, one-year, one-year thing, not a three-year thing or ten-year thing or a 20-year thing or anything like that. It's a life thing, you know. You know, I have to be looked at for that because I'm like, hey, I'm 49 years sober. I'm old as hell. What do I have to look, for, look out for? 
everything. Absolutely everything. You know, how's your Christian walk? You know, how's your recovery walk? Are you involved in recovery, some sources? You know, what's going on? I have to inventory, and sometimes the inventories don't come out good. But to you new people, it's life and death. For you people that have been, I mean, I was ridiculous. I'm talking to people 30 years sober, and you're like in the kindergarten or something like that. You know, how are you doing? What you doing? Are you keeping things up? Well, uh, it's not good. Usually we're sober long enough and got the habits down that we, we, we wake up, we compensate, and we, we get back. So, you know, in AA it was meetings, meetings, meetings. In the church it's meetings, meetings, meetings. You know, what are the quality of your human relationships? With people that are sober, in church, good people that are solid Christians. You know, how good are, how, are you nurturing that or are you letting it slide? I got to ask myself the question too. You know, I have a tendency to go, go into a, into a hole, especially after my last bout with the hospital. I just sort of hide, not good. So, I'm talking to people in recovery. You know, what's your recovery program look like? I'm talking to people in church, what's your church program look like? You know, are you Sunday morning, see you later, next Sunday, hi, you know, listen to sermon, say amen, and go about your business. If you're, if you're, you've had a recovery background, that's just simply not enough. You know, well, I've been doing that for 15 years. There's going to come a day, always does, something happens, and horrified to realize the drink or the drug or the pill or the whatever. It's just right there. Say, I'm here. I'll help you. you got to be smart here, folks. You know, for the newcomer, quantity and quality is everything. You know, that has to be your priority. What are you eating? Good meeting. Are you going to schlock meetings? Or are you going to good meetings? You know what I mean. A meeting that you feel good afterwards. People you know, you know, going after, out afterwards. You know, um, people who get a phone call. People who call you. Are you active in AA or NA or anything like that? Are you active? Are you in service in a church? You know, are you, are you known at church? Are you known by the men or the women in the church? Are you got phone numbers and you use them? If the stuff hits the fan, what are you going to do? You're going to say, uh, you remember me? Or, you know, you're contact with people on a regular basis and you make phone calls you got a phone book 
and you make phone calls. You know, you phone everybody you know, and it takes a week to go through the list. You get everybody praying for you. You get everybody there with an ear that you can just dump your load. Are you, do you have a support system that way? Or are you creating the poor support system, you know, and an emergency? You know, that, if you're in recovery too, that, that's where you're going you're gonna to fall short because you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to, I don't know whether I talk about, blah, 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 blah. If you built relationships, then you just call at any time, at absolutely any time. You know, if it's a if it's a absolute crushing emergency, you call anytime. You wake people up. Do you have people that you can wake up? If you don't, you ought to do the spade work to get that going because difficult things happen and you need to get on the program. Is it AA? You know. How known are you? How many people do you know? Is it one person? Or is it like a crowd? You know, you have AA people you know all over the place. You have AP in 20, 30 years, you got AA people all over the place. You know, if you're, you just have taken care of business. You've worked the garden. You've taken care of things. You know, if you're in recovery, that's your goal at the beginning. Build networks, build relationships, build and find the good people and winnow out the schlock people. I was in AA and my first sponsor was a absolute cad. Um, and after about six months, I dumped him, got some other people a little more stable. But I had friends that were just solid in the program and we kept, kept ourselves together. In church, I went to men's, men's prayer meetings. I went to retreats. I did all that stuff. I get to know people. Maybe not as many as I needed to, but I, I found some really good people. And when stuff hit the fan, I found people I could talk to. Not as good as I should have, but I did. You know, so when this last hospital thing happened, I was gaga land. But my kids had grown up with me, and they'd gotten to know people. And my daughter and my son, particularly my daughter, she just got on the phone. And she got on the phone nonstop. You know, she talked to like 15, 20 people. Very solid people that we'd known over the years. You know, their aunts and uncles in the program. And they got her through. And they got me through. And it was like, I raised them up to be in church. And when they didn't have me and I was intubated and I was on the edge of death, they had a mountain of people around them. Grateful for that. Are you doing that? Or are you putting a lot of your time in your old friends? The friends that are going to offer you a drink or a drug or something like that. Oh, I don't know whether you should do that, but here, have one. It's been a tough day. You need one. 
that's not a smart way to go, Doug. You you got to get, you got to come up with better than that, if you want to stay alive for long. So, it's people, relationships, and constantly feeding your, feeding you good spiritual and recovery medicine. You know, you got to hear the thing over and over again. You say. I learned that a long time ago. You, you're, you're a moron. We forget easy. You have to, have to, have to, have to. You know, re- reinforce this stuff all the time. I'm talking to myself now. So, you know, are you doing the daily stuff? In church, there's daily stuff. In recovery, there's daily stuff. Are you doing a damn daily stuff? You know, in AA, you're reading the, the books, you're reading the materials, you're going to AA meetings, are you getting a sponsor? Do you have people that you, your support group and stuff like that? Do you have a crowd you run with in church? You know, it, it, it occurs to me as I'm thinking, both in the church and AA, you, we have the run in, hide in the back, and leave without talking to people. I do that. I'm pretty good at it. You know, an AA, do you sit in the back, come in late, sit in the back, shake hands with one or two people, and bolt out the door? Chances are, if you're listening, you've done that. Chances are, if you that's all you've done, you know, you need to li- listen to this again. You don't sit in the back. You don't sit in the back, putz around. I know that. I know, I know that really well. You don't sit in the back, putz around, and then bolt out the door at the end. If it kills you, you stay there and talk to people. One or two people. You try to get the same meeting every week, and you try to get so people come up and say, hi, Chuck, how you doing? If you're not doing that and nobody knows you, you're not doing it right. If it's just, what are the quality of your relationships there? How many people do you know in the program? How many meetings do you go to? How many people are you semi-connected with? How many times do you, in how long you've been sober, and how many times do you go to a funeral and and uh, know thirty people there? Well, how many funerals do you go to? If you've been sober for twenty five years, there's going to be funerals, or you're so peripheral you don't even hear the guy died or the lady died. I'm asking. I'm asking you now, how is your recovery program? You know, if you don't know anybody and nobody knows you, you ain't doing it right. I'm not social. I don't care. I'm not social at all. I force myself out of desperation to do it. I know a lot of people now in the church, and I know my my old buddies from AA. And I actually go to a an AA meeting on a semi-regular basis, 
And they say, hi, how are you doing? What's happening? You know, that's, I'm doing something semi-right. I've been trying to get back to an AA meeting a week. You know, I go to church, you know, not enough, but um, I know a lot of people. So what I'm saying is to myself, keep your, keep your program together. Keep your connections together. Keep them healthy and alive so that when you get into a difficult situation, you can phone and not be embarrassed. This isn't rocket science. It's really wicked simple, but it takes daily effort and weekly effort. You know, one meeting a week, sitting in the back and escaping before you talk to anybody, and one service a week, coming in late, sitting in a back pew, and greeting a couple people you know and bolting out the door. That's not. What's your daily, what's your daily thing? You're reading the literature daily? No, maybe. Are you doing Bible study and reading and stuff like that daily? No. How's your Bible intelligence? No. How's your AA intelligence? Have you read the literature? Uh, once. Seriously. You know, I have to quit. But seriously, dude. You have to get your, your participation index up in one or both of these, or you're going to pick up. And there's, they used to tell me, and it terrified me, but I believe it now. You know, if you pick up once, there's a chance you will never let go. You know, it. It takes a mir- almost a miracle to stop. It takes, say, oh, well, I, I've been sober for 35 years. I can pick up one, and I just get back on the wagon. Everything will be cool. I'll go back to meetings. I'll do the thing. Everything's fine. There's absolutely no guarantee that if you pick up, use, or do whatever, you're going you're gonna to get back. You're going to bounce. You go to a meeting, you listen to people. I picked up, I came back, then I went out, I came back. And now I'm in this terrible bouncing back and forth thing. It's awful. It's torture. I'm not comfortable anyplace. So I'm talking to you out there. Recovery, religious, whatever. You know, do the program and do it right. If you're just a Christian... And you don't have an addiction problem. It's the same game. You know, don't sit in the back. Don't run out the door quick. Talk to people. I'm talking to myself. I'm saying, you know, I have kids that, my kids are doing it better than I am. So I want you to listen to me. (laughs) Do what I say, not what I do. But, I know, you know, you know, this might help somebody. This might help you not die. So if you want to get touch me, I'm sure there's a way. Um, but don't drink, don't use, 
go to meetings, ask for help, do the thing. One day at a time, one moment at a time. You know, and, you know, you're only sober and clean one day. I've learned that. You're only sober, clean one day. You know, stay in today and do the thing. You know, serve the Lord, do the thing, don't drink, don't use, and come to the Lord and find his peace. That's it for me. This is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery. God bless you.